You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each one of you are addressed in today's gospel. We ask for your blessings to be upon the words that will be spoken. May they indeed be instructed by you. And Lord, we know that we have received the spirit called holy at our baptism, but we have heard your word spoken today, that you breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It is only by the Holy Spirit that we can understand your holy word. Please bless us as we have come to bring glory, praise, and honor to your holy name on this day. Amen. Amen. It's been within the last two years that I saw a documentary. And the documentary was put together in such a way as they had staged a traumatic event and had cameras and microphones positioned so that it could pick up everything. But then they had people there that did not know that this was this type of application. So they carried out this traumatic event in the blink of an eye. And then they interviewed the eyewitnesses to the account. The conclusion from the documentary was that after they interviewed each one of the eyewitnesses that seen this and they put it up or transposed it against the actual video, they found that the eyewitnesses, A, did not agree with each other, and B, it didn't even fit the descriptions that were given. I bring this to your attention because that type of information is out there concerning eyewitnesses, that they cannot be accredited in all circumstances. But that cannot apply to Holy Scripture. Why? Because what they did to prove their point is they used something that happened in the blink of an eye and how people recorded that in their minds. What we have in scripture is eyewitness accounts that are not in the blink of an eye. They are sustained accounts of Jesus' presence in and amongst his disciples. It didn't happen in one second. It will happen for 50 days. Jesus makes himself available for the company of the disciples. So they cannot be 
put in the same posture as this documentary. On Wednesday night, we took the opportunity to take a look at the eyewitness account of the Apostle Paul. If you have the opportunity, uh, we do believe it did stream live. There is information in there to help us to understand the accuracy, the authenticity, and the posture for us to believe without any reservation the eyewitness accounts of the disciples. So today we look at the gospel. I would ask you to please come with me on a journey and let us walk through this gospel account today and take a closer look at exactly what we are able to witness through the eyes of those that were there at that time. It begins by saying that the disciples were gathered behind locked doors because of fear of the Jews. Now it was only three days before this because the gospel tells us today that this is the evening of the first day. This was last, East, last Sunday's Easter event in the evening that this took place in Jerusalem. It is easy for us to understand that the disciples did not come from Jerusalem, but they were staying in the room that was provided for them. So they're back in the same area of space that on Thursday, Jesus took off his garments, wrapped a towel around his waist, and washed their feet. They went back to the place that they felt comfortable with because something just happened that turned their world upside down. And they were remembering the fact that at that Friday, they were absolutely spread in fear because they were eyewitnesses. They were deposited in three different locations in the same garden. You had most of the disciples. You had Peter, Andrew, or Peter, John, and James, and then you had Jesus off praying. Jesus came back to them. On the third time, he said, wake up. My betrayer is coming. And they watched their Lord be dragged off and arrested by people with clubs and swords. They dispersed in fear. They fled all over the place. Now they're back in that room. It's not hard for us to at least consider that some may have been silent in that room thinking, what just happened? But others could have been more vocal and saying to one another, what happened? I ran, for I was afraid that they would take me too. They were recounting the event when Jesus appears in the room and in the midst of their questioning of themselves they hear that soft gentle voice of the Lord say peace be with you Jesus doesn't chastise them for their actions he comforts them to let them know that he understands that they ran in fear, they're hiding in fear, and he has come to deliver to them the good news that he is risen from the dead. 
After Jesus says, peace be with you, he shows them his hands. He shows them his side. There's a powerful piece of understanding with all of these things. We know that the disciples who become the apostles understand this firmly. But what we can see Jesus sharing with them at that time is that, you see, that which caused my death was the sin of others. We can easily take a look at the two that hung aside of Jesus on crosses. They were put to death because they were thieves. So sin manifested itself to them in a crucifixion. But Jesus was put to death for the sins of others. And it is a powerful witness that he gives to his disciples at this time. Because death claims for itself the victims of sin. And because Jesus died for the sins of others by the hand and sins of others, death did not have the power to keep him. He could not be charged with sin and therefore death could not hold him. What they were able to see is the attempt of being rid of him. But now what they were seeing was that he had overpowered death. As this begins to sink in and they begin to understand somewhat of what had happened, Jesus again says to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. We have been given our divine responsibilities. We are called to be witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And with that, Jesus allows us to know and understand that he's not relying on our strength. I love that piece of scripture where Jesus breathes on him and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Do you know that we cannot understand Holy Scripture without the power and presence of the Holy Spirit? It's not possible for us. That is one of the things we looked at on Wednesday night with the Apostle Paul. Paul was not able to see. The veil was over his face. After he had an encounter with Jesus, scales fell from his eyes, and Paul was now able to see by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit after he was baptized, and he becomes the apostle to the Gentiles. The spiritual encounter. Do you remember what this looked like last week? The front of the sanctuary? All the wonderful flowers and the ferns and everything. Didn't it look like a garden? This is a spiritual moment. We can't see this. We can't understand this unless Almighty God shows it to us by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And you know, when the women walked into that garden, when was it? Was it in the afternoon or in the evening? It was early morning. Remember these words that come out of the book of Genesis. 
And God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And he called out, Adam! And Adam didn't respond because Adam disobeyed. He ate from the tree he was not supposed to. And he hid from God. The word restored with the garden was a spiritual sign for you and I since the first time when Adam and Eve hid. Now, Easter morning has God's people walking in the garden and God is with them in the cool of the day in the resurrected Christ. That is being breathed on by the Holy Spirit and allowing us to understand what God has done for us. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Let us not be confused with that, that we have some type of power to say, I hold you accountable and uh, it's going to stay that way. That is not the message that Jesus is sending. What Jesus is telling us is that we have that divine responsibility. As the Father has sent him, so we are sent. We are to proclaim the message of Christ's Lordship, being raised from the dead. We need to proclaim that with authority and authenticity and based upon the eyewitness accounts. And when we do that, if people accept Jesus as their Lord, their sins will be forgiven. But if they do not accept the message of Christ's lordship, well, they're on their own. Our gospel for today goes on and said that one of the remaining 11 wasn't present, Thomas. And the disciples who were present say, we've seen the Lord. Now, I'm sure they said a little bit more than that and explained to Thomas everything that we had just talked about that Jesus said to them and bringing his peace upon them. But like a lot of people, sometimes we demand more of a sign from God. And Thomas's response is, unless I see the nails and the spear whole, put my hands into those pieces, I will not believe. I will not believe. Jesus, being the kind, gracious, loving Savior that he is, it is now basically this Sunday, eight days later, that the disciples are together again. This time, Thomas is with them. And the eyewitness account that we hear from Scripture is that Jesus comes and stands in their midst again and begins by saying, Peace be with you. Says directly to Thomas, Here, check for yourself. It is I. Thomas's response after seeing this incredible sign and witnessing to it says, My Lord and my God. Jesus says to him, Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Spiritual encounters. How God shows us 
the reality and the witness of his word. You know, over these 50 days, Jesus will show himself many, many times. That will be the theme until Pentecost, how Jesus shows himself as the resurrected Lord. And then on the day of Pentecost, when Jesus ascends into heaven, the Holy Spirit is poured out. We know the story. The disciples begin to speak in tongues. Everybody hears them in their native language. That is a spiritual encounter. Because if you go all the way back into the book of Genesis in chapter 11, it's called the Tower of Babel, where the people were trying to make a pathway to God. It was called a ziggurat. And God intervened and confused their language. But now that Jesus Christ is ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, the stairway to heaven has been completed and the language becomes unconfused. What does that mean for you and I? This is how we understand blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. To be able to recognize when you just had a spiritual encounter with Almighty God and he has permitted you to see and understand what other people cannot possibly see. When you have that spiritual encounter, you become an eyewitness. An eyewitness to the fact that the only way you could have that spiritual encounter is if Christ ascended into heaven and was seated at the right hand of the Father because the Holy Spirit is then made available to us. And if Christ ascended, he had to descend first. He had to be resurrected from the dead. In order to be resurrected from the dead, he had to die. In order for him to die, he had to live. So when you have a spiritual moment, you become a powerful eyewitness to all of those events. This is what he has done for us. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best art in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my life.